And thank you again, ladies and Brother Steve. Appreciate that tonight. And I asked Steve to uh, pick that core, that song, I should say, tonight because it kind of goes along with the message, and that is that uh, we need God to set our souls on fire, don't we? And we need to get our pulpits on fire once again with the Word of God. And uh, we did have a testimony. I know that uh, my oldest daughter, Robin, had been a, a, a Christian school administrator. We're going to go, by the way, while we're waiting for that, Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. And uh, she had resigned her position as a school administrator there in, uh, in uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the school is now. I can't even think of it. Uh, anyway, she resigned. Uh, she met the goals that she had established uh, within that five-year time frame, and she now was teaching at another school, uh, not, a, lot, a lot closer to home. And, of course, that meant uh, that... Uh, Ashton would have to change schools, and she's not going to have her brothers there because they've all graduated. And uh, Chad will be leaving for Pensacola, I think, tomorrow. He's wanting to get there a little bit early so he can make sure he gets a, either a top or a bottom bunk. Uh, Beg couldn't remember which one it was, but I know in the military you always wanted the top bunk. You know, never, ever wanted the bottom bunk. You always wanted the top bunk. And uh, so anyway, uh, it, was a, it was a rough couple of days. And if you've ever changed schools... And uh, it's, it, this is large. I think the Christian school is close to almost a thousand, well over nine hundred some odd students in that school. So that's a big school, and you know that these are there's kids there in all these different classes, and they've already had their friends, and they're coming back the next year, and so on. So a little bit rough for Ashlyn. She had no friends there. She didn't know anybody that was there, and so Robin had called and asked to pray, and of course Rochelle and Randy all chimed in. And they said we know what it's all about because they've had to change uh, schools a few times in their lifetime there that they'd be praying for. And so when uh, Peg was talking with Robin today, she said that uh, there was one other young girl that was there, and came over to Ashlyn and said, uh, "Why don't you come over and join us?" over here and so uh, she's made a couple new friends already so sometimes it just takes a little bit of time but uh, you can only imagine so we're just so thankful that uh, God answered the uh, prayer request there and uh, uh, we serve such a wonderful God amen now the problem is we just don't get excited about it not as we ought to and of course now Elaine is going down there she's going to follow in the sister's footsteps and be a prayer leader so we pray for her that uh, she'll be a strong leader and a good leader and uh, you know, sometimes that means counseling with some of the girls that are having problems and troubles along the way and encourage them to maybe turn the campus upside down to pray, as uh, Erica had done when she was down that way for sure. So uh, let's pray for all of our, all of our young people. Uh, they certainly need it because I, I am convinced that a lot of young people in a lot of churches, because there's a lot of people who don't, who don't realize um, what's going on in the world today, and they have no clue just how close we may be to the rapture. They have no idea. And so the wake-up call, we don't want the wake-up wake up call to be the trumpet and uh, find themselves standing before the Lord having spent their life on what they wanted to do without any real excitement of serving the Lord. And we've all been called to serve the Lord, amen, every one of us. Uh, some, get, some of us get called to full-time in pulpits and mission fields. And uh, on the road as evangelists and so on. Sometimes it's uh, youth ministries and uh, music, uh, music ministries as well. But God calls and God leads in those areas. And uh, we need to get excited. So I, I, I titled this message. Jack and Chris have already heard this at a pastor's conference. But it was titled, I titled it The Preacher's Imperatives. I preached to the, uh, to the pastors as I was only one of two that preached that day. And uh, sometimes you just don't see a lot of excitement. Uh, in the pulpits in America. Uh, a lot of our young people are coming out of our colleges today, and to them it's a job. And they're hoping they'll be able to get a job when they come out here. And I never looked at the ministry as a job because it is a ministry. 
is a ministry. You're called to a ministry, and uh, wherever God calls you, that's where God calls you. Uh, when brother, when brother, God, uh, when uh, when God called brother Dan to the ministry, it was uh, I'm not giving you a cent before you go. I want you to just go. Not many people do that. Just uh, pick up their stakes and go. Uh, even when I went off to prepare for the ministry in Bible college, go to Bible college, we had the residual from selling our house. And I figured, well, that would get us through for a little while. But interestingly enough, God made sure that all that money that we had in the bank was gone uh, before I could even find a job. And it wasn't until all that money was gone, wife and four kids, uh, that we actually uh, we able, I was able to get a job. But uh, God showed himself strong in a number of ways during those Bible college years. They, they were growing years for sure. And uh, at times financially tough, uh, but nonetheless, uh, none of us starved to death. I, I probably could have used uh, the weight that I had then now, uh, for sure. But it is important for us to understand that we need to ask God not just to set our soul afire. We need to do the things that's going to make our, make our souls burn for the Lord. And uh, we'll, we'll see some of the other things that, that's entailed in this. But the desire of the Apostle Paul was to see Timothy to not just become a faithful servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where a lot of us, I believe, are. We have settled into a, a comfort zone that just, uh, well, I'm being a faithful servant. I go to church on a regular basis, and I tithe on a regular basis there, and I, I read my Bible on a regular basis, and I pray on a regular basis there. But I don't do a lot of service. I don't do a lot of sharing of the gospel. I don't give out a lot of tracts. I don't do a lot of these other things uh, that uh, certainly are incumbent upon any believer, for sure. But to also become a, a great preacher of the gospel. Now, talk about a great preacher. You don't have to have name recognition. It's a matter of being faithful to the word of God. Preaching the word of God without compromise and preaching the word of God without apology, whether it's a small church or whether it's a large church. And so you preachers, believe it or not, you folks are preachers. Uh, the word preacher actually has at its root is a herald. I herald the word of God. I, I preach and I speak out the word of God. And when you're out and about in your little world, you're also to be heralding the word of God as God opens doors accordingly. Amen? And we've got to be able to do it with, with excitement. We've got to be able to do it with enthusiasm because who in the world wants to live? Oh, yeah, I got saved when I was such and such an age here and I was always raised in a Christian home. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a decent life so far, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, you're not going to be able to win very many people to the Lord unless you're really excited about what God's doing in your life and what you're able to do for God as God leads you. Amen? To be shared, to the, the opportunity to be able to share the gospel should be one of the most exciting highlights of your day. Nothing else should compare to that when we're talking about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and then seeing someone surrender to the message, surrender to the word of God and get saved. Amen? And so the second epistle of Paul that he wrote to Timothy reveals Paul's fatherly, earnest desire to not just preach Timothy, but to become excited, enthusiastic about the word of God. Because people are not going to get very enthusiastic about the things that you're not very enthused about yourself. Amen? Now, you heard me give you that illustration about that matted, flea-bitten dog that little boy brought home. His mother wasn't too enthused. But she said, you can keep him if you can tell me one good thing about him. And he was enthused. He said he wags his tail real good. Right. Well, you know, there are things that we can get really enthused and excited about as we share the gospel. Just the opportunity itself 
An open door opportunity in itself should get us excited. So throughout this second epistle, Paul uses personal and affectionate addresses to the man called Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, he calls Timothy, he says, to my, to my dearly beloved son. He saw Timothy as not just a spiritual brother, but flesh, uh, not flesh, but, but blood, a blood relative in, in the faith, in Christ. And he really saw Timothy as a son. Because Paul, he wasn't married, and uh, he didn't have any children. I believe he had a lot of spiritual children. And Timothy was one of those rising stars from out of that group that Paul was grooming and mentoring to become a man of God and become a preacher of the word of God. And so he said to him, he said, to my dearly beloved son. And then in 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, thou therefore my son, be strong. He didn't want some wishy-washy, weak individual. Um, I think it was Dr. Jack Howell relates a story. His father was a town drunk in his town in Texas. And uh, he said, I lived in a run-room shack and only had a dirt floor in there. And he said, my mom... She, she would see uh, cigarette pictures in a magazine, and she'd uh, call and say, Tommy, come over, uh, Jackie, come over here, and she'd put it on the, on the floor down there and say, this is nasty stuff, and she'd stomp on that, and she'd do the same thing with alcohol, you know, do all that there. And, uh, so, but he remembered those things in his life, and, uh, and uh, when his father found out he was going to be a preacher, he met his son on the street, and he punched him out. He told him, if you're going to be a preacher, you'd be the best preacher this world's ever seen. In other words, don't do this half-heartedly. You do this wholeheartedly. You give your all to it. And, and he did. He gave his all to, to preach in the word of God. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he said, I charge thee therefore before God. And uh, several other acclamations as well. And so he saw that uh, Timothy was going to need a lot of encouragement. And the reason he was going to need a lot of encouragement was, was for the same reason as we look in uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. He knew that the day in which uh, Timothy was called by God and upon which Paul would lay his hands upon him, that uh, it wasn't going to be easy. Uh, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think at any time throughout the Roman Empire and the constant vying throughout the first several hundred centuries for who was going to control the trade routes and the, uh, the, the, the land around the Mediterranean, it was constantly back. It was, a, it, was, it was just a mess. It was a bloody battle day after day and year after year, and you just never knew who, uh, what, what, uh, what ruler you were going to be under at any particular given time. So he knew that uh, things were going to get tough. He knew that things were going to be difficult. And he tells them back in First uh, Timothy chapter 4 and uh, in uh, verse 1, he said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their consciences seared with a hot iron. And he goes on, he names a uh, few other things there. And of course, uh, I believe we can look around and say, you know, maybe our day and age isn't any different than what it was when uh, when uh, when uh, God called uh, Timothy and, uh, and uh, called Paul to be a mentor to him. But the reason for Paul's personal challenges and uh, challenge and charges to Timothy is best expressed in, in the chapter uh, three with uh, these words, as he says in uh, chapter three. Also, it says perilous times. So they were perilous times. We're in perilous times even now today. The Middle East is a mess. Those nations, whether with the communist nations, I guess I probably should say, no matter where they are. Uh, they're not just rattling their sabers as Nebuchadnezzar did or, or Sennacherib in Assyria did uh, before they came in and they uh, carried off uh, Israel captive with God's permission. But uh, 
they see themselves as becoming a dominant world force. And so if you're not saved, I'm going to tell you, brush up on your Chinese. If you are saved, don't worry about the rapture's coming. So we'll be, we'll be moving along pretty soon anyway. But he was warning to me, there's some perilous times that are going to be coming. And this is not a time to slack off. This is not a time to cower in the corners. But this is a time to stand up and to be counted for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so men becoming lovers of their own selves and traitors and having a form of godliness and ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And on and on we could go is the warning that Paul gave to Timothy. So truth be told, it sounds a lot like today's world that we're living in right now. Listen, I tell you, I, I grew up in a different America. Clark's old enough, he grew up in a different America. Some, some of the others also, we grew up in a different America than the America that our children are living in today. So the challenge, or the charge and the challenge that Paul gives is to keep Timothy focused on the one thing that will reach and change the human heart. And he says, preach the word. You can have all the best church programs in the world, but if the word of God, the unadulterated, undiluted word of God is not preached, those programs will just develop for a social time of gathering together. And so the responsibility of a preacher or a herald is not to get people, whether saved or lost, to like a church, nor to like the preacher or the pastor. Our responsibility as heralds and as preachers is to get lost people to love Jesus. Amen? It's for us is get them to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's my job also as a preacher in the pulpit here, is to get the people of God here to, to grow in their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I want to guarantee you that if you've been married for any length of time here, you love your wife more today than you did when you first met her. And remember back in those days, you thought, you thought, what you knew all about love. You knew what love was. And then five anniversaries and ten anniversaries and fifteen anniversaries, and you realize... I am beginning now just to understand what love really is. And that's the kind of love we're talking about. The kind of love that if you've been saved for any length of time, you should be more in love with the Lord today than you certainly were when you first got saved. Some people, they're glad they got saved. Hey, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I got my name in Atlanta's Book of Life. That's wonderful. But they don't really want to get to know the Lord. They don't want to really fall any more deeply in love with the Lord. Uh, they're satisfied with the status quo. Now, they won't be at some particular point, but in the meantime, they are. And they need to be attending Bible-believing, Bible-thumping, redneck, Baptist churches that preach the word of God and they're excited about it and they're enthusiastic about it and there's a fire in the pulpit and there's a fire in the belly. And listen, if you don't preach for fire in the belly of the preacher before he gets into the pulpit, then you've missed an opportunity. Amen? Well, he's kind of boring a little bit up that way. Well, did you pray that God would get the preacher excited? Did you ever pray that God would get you excited about what the preacher has to say? Well, a lot of young people don't do that. They don't really pray. They say, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a different world than my, my parents grew up in. I'm in a different world than the preacher. I mean, he's as old as dirt. So, I mean, uh, he doesn't know the thing. Well, yeah, I, I try to stay abreast of what's going on in the world today. But the answer, regardless of how difficult the world gets, the answer is still Jesus. And the answer is still the Word of God. It hasn't changed, regardless of how difficult the world gets. And so we can't slack off. Uh, we can't become, uh, allow the world to bring us to the place where we become so disgruntled that we kind of back off on our responsibilities to herald with excitement and with enthusiasm the fact that Jesus saves. In fact, he's telling Timothy, listen, things are going to get difficult. Stand strong. I charge you, stand strong in the faith. Don't let circumstances cause you to, to faint along the wayside. So 
the responsibility of a preacher is, is to, again, not get people to like the church or to get them to like him. If you can get them saved uh, and they fall in love with Jesus and they fall in love with the gospel, that's the kind of church they want to go to. They want to go to the church that preaches the word of God without compromise along the way. And so the idea also is that uh, there isn't a program created that can do what only the word of God can do. Not a program that man has ever come up, excuse me, has come up with. So one can't get saved without the word of God. One can't be sanctified without the word of God. It's just a, it's just a simple known fact. You can't get saved and someone shared, you, shared with you the word of God. Now, I don't care whether it was in German or Spanish or whether it was in Chinese or whatever it might have been, Mandarin. Uh, if they shared the word of God with you and that seed was planted and the Holy Spirit of God worked upon you and the harvest came into a soul that was saved for the Lord Jesus Christ, it was the word of God that did that with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God working that on you. I kind of think of it as a baseball glove or maybe even a baseball. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but you know all those baseballs that baseball players use, they don't just take them off the store shelf and then throw them out to the pitcher and use them. They work it. And I guess they got some kind of grit or something that they use there. And, and there's someone who spends spent, uh, a, a, an absorbed amount of time there working and, and kind of getting that, that baseball so it's ready to be, be, to be thrown. Uh, and, and you see in football the same thing. When a kicker gets ready to kick the ball, he takes it from point to point there. And he's squishing out a little bit there. And he's squishing it. And then he puts it down there. And, uh, and they have a reason that they do those kind of things there. Or if you get a brand new baseball glove. You work the baseball glove. You don't want to go out there with a glove that's so stiff you can't close your hands because of the brand new leather. Uh, you work the leather so that when you get out there, man, when you, when you grab that ball, you got a hold of that ball. And it's the same thing with the Word of God. We've got to get that Word of God. We've got to work it in our soul until the particular point where it, it just ignites, <clears throat> excuse me, it just ignites our soul. And we get excited. So the Word of God is the most important element in a believer's life. Now, my wife is very important to me. And uh, I'm very important to her. But the truth of the matter is, between the two of us, God is more important. Has always been that way and always will be that way. Now, we love our kids. We love our, we love our in-laws. And sometimes they're outlaws, but uh, right now, tonight, they're in-laws. Uh, and we love them and we love our kids. We love our grandchildren. But we love Christ more. And so if they're going to make... Uh, decisions and choices that are contrary to the choices and decisions that, uh, that God would have a Christian to make. I don't stop loving them, but I don't stop letting them know that Christ is still the most important element of my life and it should be the most important element in their life as well. And that's what we pray for. We pray that there's going to come that point in time where all of a sudden that God, the power of God is just going to come upon them and they're going to change instantaneously and get right with God and get excited about being renewed in the fellowship of a believer. And so the word preach is chosen here because of its intrinsic importance. Such as, I quote, always with the idea of formality, always the idea with gravity, understanding the seriousness of the word of God being presented in a way that, Lord, it's not half heart in a way that it's not half-hearted, or that it's not somewhat understandable. Or that doesn't contain an element of love and a, and, a, and a challenge and a change as well. 
So there's gravity and then there is uh, to be presented in authority which must be listened to and obeyed. That's what we preach the word of God. When I preach to you, listen, I'm, t- I'm not telling you something that, that I think you should do. I'm telling you what God wants us to do. When I use the word expectation, this is what God expects of me. This is what God expects of you and I together uh, as believers and certainly as a church. These are things that God expects us to do and that, that we need to rise to those expectations with gravity and, and authority and uh, which must be listened to and obeyed. We have to get the idea that God has said this is, the, this, is the, this is the avenue of blessings and this is the avenue of danger. Uh, this, is the, this is the avenue where you're not going to get those blessings. Uh, I wish I'd had my wits about me. I, I, Jehovah's Witness hadn't been in my door, I guess, since well before the, the, the pandemic. And sure enough, there was a knock at the door, and I looked out there. I said, well, someone's in our driveway. And one guy and probably an 11-year-old girl got out with him, and I said, no, it can't be. Jehovah's Witness is out and about. But he asked the question, he says, so what do you think about what's going on in the world? Do you think God's responsible for all the problems in the world? And I said, no. I, I said, we, we're doing a pretty good job ourselves. He said, that's right. And he tried to show me a scripture where God doesn't do those kinds of things. I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, did you not ever read Deuteronomy 28 and 29? Where God told them, if you do this, I will bless you. If you do this, I'm going to curse you. And God's very clear about the fact that he's, he's going to cause certain things to turn about in your life that's going to make you wish that you had been obedient to the things of the Lord. And folks, that's the way it is even in our, in our lives today. That uh, there's going to come a time when if we decide we choose to walk in disobedience to the Lord, there's going to come a day when we wish we had not. And it's also going to come a day when we have been obedient and we're going to be very thankful we did and we were. So the idea is that when Steve is teaching the class, when AJ is teaching the class, these are not just kind of nice little suggestions we're making. These are biblical truths and biblical principles and biblical precepts that God expects us to obey. Pray without ceasing. He expects us. Now listen, you, you, you don't have to have your eyes closed when you're praying. You can be on a long trip and you can be praying. Uh, God will bring someone to your mind. You'll be praying for that individual while you, throughout the day. Uh, study, uh, study the word of God. The imperative, right? You, you can study the word of God. These are things that God expects of us. We ought to be doing that. Meditating in the word of God. Sharing the gospel. We can go all through all those things and list all those things that we're supposed to be doing. And so as we preach and teach these things here, we're telling these people, these are things that God expects us to obey. And in obedience, we get blessings. In disobedience, we don't. So it means it also means to be a herald. To be a herald, that is, give forth the word of God. So the word preach is in the imperative or of vital importance, if you will. Wrapped up in this word, preach, uh, in the imperative is that it is imperative that our preaching is enthusiastic. Not just that we preach, because I, listen, I, I've heard some preachers that I'd almost want, want to fall asleep in. But by the same token, there's others here that you sit on the edge of your seat the whole time they're preaching. And uh, so wrapped up in, in, in that word uh, is, is the idea that we need to be enthusiastic. Am I excited about what God's given to me? Am I excited about what I'm going to share with you people? Am I excited about what God's about to do as people respond? Not everybody's going to respond. Well, I'm excited because someone's going to respond, whether it's at home or whether it's here in the sanctuary. And so... Uh, not only is it uh, enthusiastic, but exciting. But I can't think of anything I'd rather do in this world than preach because that's what God's called me to do. Now, I probably wouldn't be very comfortable if this is not what God had called me to do. But nonetheless, it's what God's called me to do, and I'm excited to be able to. And sometimes I look at it and say, oh, no, not another message. Not another message, Lord, come on. Uh, and yet, when you get into it, I mean, you just come alive. 
It's like all of a sudden it just kind of begins to flow and begins to go. And sometimes you have to stop and sometimes you have to pray. And sometimes you have to do a little bit more research and uh, other things that come. But the process gets long and, and you begin to get excited about what God has given to you. Now, I'm sure that not everyone in the congregation is nearly as excited as a, as a teacher or the preacher uh, that's presenting the message. But nonetheless, uh, I want you to know that uh, when I'm preaching, I, I want to be enthusiastic. And if I'm not, everybody go. So, uh, not, not only enthusiastic, exciting, uh, but also to preach with authority. Now, I, I'm just telling you what God says. And I'm preaching with the authority that God has given to me to preach the word of God of concerning his expectations of myself and of you as, as an individual, as well as a congregation. So, the temptation is to do other things in different ways. Or do it in a way that we think will be acceptable to others, whether saved or lost. So after writing chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, giving a dire warning of the nature and the characteristics of the hearts of men, Paul's solution is to preach the word. Uh, Timothy, come up with a couple of programs over here and see how that works out. Uh, no, he just said, Timothy, preach the word. Wherever it is, wherever you are, wherever you got people gathered together, preach the word. Preach the word. And, and to preach it hard... And to preach it straight up. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Um, that's not where I want to be. It's probably, yep, I'm in the wrong one. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. And he says, preach the word. Be instant in season. And what? Out of season. Even when it may not seem like it's convenient, but God has opened the door. And maybe there is uh, someone who has asked you a question. And you can answer the question. And you answer it with excitement and with enthusiasm. And you give them the word of God in a particular process. So he says there, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. You know what, moms and dads, that's our responsibility as, as moms and dads. When our children are living uh, aberrant uh, um, Christian lives, they're living lives that you know that's not pleasing, then you let them know. You know, I love you and I love you to death. But I don't like the lifestyle. I don't like the way you're living. Same thing with grandchildren. Did you get grandchildren come along? You can tell them, listen, I love you to death. But I don't like the choices you're making or the decisions you're making. And I'm praying for you. And you let them know that you're praying for them. And then you earnestly be praying for them that God will work in, in their hearts and their lives. Yeah, but if I do that, preacher, they're not going to come around. Um, eventually they will. Eventually they will. But by the token, you as a parent have a responsibility not to... to um, tiptoe around the problems. As, as parents, our children are our children, and we have a responsibility. I'm not saying we need to lecture them every time they come around, but if they start getting into conversation areas that we're not going to be comfortable with, we just say, hey, you need to stop that immediately. Or you need to change the subject immediately. Now, I think that's important no matter where you are, whatever group you're in. And so, there is a time for teaching, there's a time for counseling, a time for activities, but in the pulpit, it's time to preach the word. Amen? Time to preach the word in power, with authority, with enthusiasm and conviction, uh, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, lifting him up on high, that those to whom we preach will be drawn to him. Not to the preacher. Not to the preacher, but being drawn to him. Because if what God will do in people like uh, Piles or Jer Dr. Jeremiah, he can do in your lives as well. You don't have to go to Bible college. You can be as enthusiastic and as exciting and you can study and you can meditate in the Word of God just like they do. 
uh, is, do they have a different Holy Spirit than the Holy Spirit that lives in you? No. So if you will study and you, you, you will meditate, he will take your personality in whatever conversation, whether it's a class, or maybe a, a Tuesday night Bible study or a Wednesday morning Bible study, uh, or maybe just a, a mentoring. I know that, uh, uh, pray for um, uh, Brother Burton. Burton. Uh, he took on one of those seven steps to joy. I think he wants to, he wants to start working with, with Rocky and try to get Rocky to begin to read his Bible and to maybe see the need of coming to church on a regular basis. And that's wonderful that he's going to do that. Uh, so he's going to become a mentor. But he needs to do that with authority, not with apology. But to, I, I'm, I'm never going to apologize for what the Word of God says. If God said it, that settles it. And uh, I love it. There was a time when I didn't always love it. But I love it now. <laughs> because God has brought certain changes in my life. And when God brings those changes in your life, then you'll get insight and you'll get enthused about these things as well. And so... Uh, we have to remember that we are in times very much like Paul described to Timothy, and if not similar, moving exponentially faster from God, from righteousness and any semblance uh, of, of, of a nation under God. Now we feel, well, you know, my kids aren't out drinking, and they're not out there carousing, and they're not doing those kind of things out there in the world there, so they're really not bad kids. Well, let's kind of reframe that is that were they, where are they in relationship to themselves and the Lord? Because there's a lot of people who are okay. They'd be okay neighbors. They'd be okay fellow employees. But I wouldn't want to be around them when they were out of work or off work or something along that line there. Not because I'm better than them, but because their lifestyle and their life's choices and their attitudes are typically different than that of someone who really loves the Lord. And so we do need to bear down for all young people who have made a profession of faith in the Lord as moms and dads and as grandparents, we need to really bear down in prayer for them that, uh, that uh, the Lord would really be able to get a hold of their heart and that they'd get on fire for the Lord. I think Brother Steve and I were talking, we were talking about some of the ensembles coming around, and Steve hit on a point to which I believe is true in a lot of cases. The churches who have young people in them are becoming fewer and fewer, so the, church, the colleges are making less and less, uh, they're taking less and less excursions into some of these other areas where the churches are small. And uh, they're coming out there to present their, their, their colleges. And they want to be able to bring in youth people and young people uh, into their colleges to train them up and to send them out and to serve in the world. And so, unfortunately... Well, let me put it this way. Brother Mike Twardy once stated, and you heard me say it oftentimes, is that when we win, what we win people with is what we've got to use to keep them. So if it's a, a social, fun kind of a situation, and that you, you always have to have one more, one more activity that is bigger than the first one. Uh, if you'd ask them, okay, uh, we're going to go to a, to a conference, and there's going to be a, a really strong, powerful evangelist is going to be that way. Uh, I don't think I want to go. I don't think I want to go. Now, they may have to go somewhere and actually spend some of the money to get a hotel room for the night and actually spend a whole day or maybe a couple of days going to those kind of things there and, and so on there. But uh, a lot of them don't want to be bothered anymore. You know, they got their things, they got their schedules, they got their life all mapped out. And uh, getting serious about the things the Lord, I mean, getting serious about the things the Lord is just not in, in their, in their, in their uh, planning. So no other organization on planet Earth deals with this level of eternal life and death. Vital information about God, vital information about Jesus Christ, vital information about the working of the Holy Spirit, vital information about what truth is, what truth is about, uh, salvation and judgment, and the truth about what God expects of those who come to a saving faith in Christ, and what will happen when, when he is being rejected or cut out of their lives. 
no other organization but the local church has the opportunity to be able to preach the word where people are gathered together to encourage parents to be all that they can be for the Lord, to train up their children to be all that their children can be for the Lord. Now, children have to make their own choices. I understand that. But we don't stop being a, a godly parent just because they may make other choices and other decisions along the way. And so, another dire warning that is found... Okay, let me go back here. When God is exalted with excitement and his word preached in enthusiasm and with authority, man, we have been called by God to preach his infallibly preserved word. And that is our authority to preach and expect God's people to respond with a full surrender of their lives. That's the same thing for you men at home. You are the pastor of that home. You're the under-shepherd of that home. To work within that home. And it is your responsibility to continue to preach and to counsel, and to give God the advice, God the direction, and to rebuke, and to exhort with all long suffering. And so, another dire warning that is found in this chapter, as we get ready to close here, is in uh, verses 3 and 4. Sounds very much like what we are experiencing today back in 1 Timothy chapter 3. That's not where I want to be either. Anyway, um, let's go verse 4. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. And so we as individuals, we have got to work the gospel into how we live out our marriage, to live out our parenting responsibilities, even our grandparenting encouragements as they come along. But we can blame COVID-19 on a lot of things, and it did change a lot of things, but it hasn't changed the Word of God. The Word of God remains the same. God's expectation still remains the same. He can't turn around someday and get to heaven and say, well, Lord, you know, COVID-19 happened down there. When I was down there, COVID-19 happened, and things just changed, Lord. And he's going to look at you and say, I didn't. My Word didn't. <laughs> the message didn't change, amen. So... It did have its impact, to be sure, on the immature believers and the carnal Christians. But Paul wants Timothy to be forewarned that responses to the word of God and the person of God are going to wane and people won't settle for anything other than a social gospel. And we don't give the world what the world wants. We give the world what the world needs. Others will vehemently oppose the gospel and those who dare to preach the word of God. And just face it, you're going to be, as a parent, you're going to oftentimes be rejected because of your willingness to stand uncompromisingly with the Lord. And you may hear things like, well, you love the Lord more than you love me. And you look right in the eyeball and say, you're right. Because loving him enables me to love you with a greater love than I could possibly have otherwise. Because if I wasn't a saved individual, I got news to you, I'd grab you by the scuff of the neck and I'd give you a boot right out the front door. But because I love the Lord and I want what's best for you, then we're going to pray. But we're not going to compromise our lives in order to make you feel good. And so it's the same whether it's at work or wherever it is that we might be. So... Paul wants Timothy to be forewarned that responses to the word of God and the person of God are, are going to wane. And he says so in Isaiah, I should say, chapter 5, verse 18 through 23 says this. Well, one of them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin, as it were, with a cart root. 
that say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of God draw nigh and come that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So we have a, we have a generation, I think, of young people who have made a profession of faith when they were young. But they fit right into this area in verse 21. So woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. It's almost as if they somehow think they know more than God does. Or that they're wiser than God. That this is a different time, this is a different day and age, and so we have to handle things a little bit differently. You make sure that they don't get away with that. You take them right to Isaiah chapter 5, verses 21 through, well, 20 and 21 and so on there, and you let them know. Woe to them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which testify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous, of the righteous from him. And that's what's happening in America today. Now, it may not always be in a spiritual context, but there are those who are morally right. And, and they're being treated as criminals because they have the audacity to stand for, on, on the side of, of rightness, of morality. Can you imagine what it's going to become when, when we start standing on the area of what is righteous and what is unrighteous? And so, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. We hear a lot today about those who are, who are unrighteous getting promoted and those who are righteous being thrown into jail. But that's, 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 what's, that's what's happening in America today. It's what's coming down. So again, it sounds very much like our day-to-day -day news, doesn't it? When we talk and we see what Isaiah wrote in his day 800 years before Christ ever came. And then certainly the Apostle Paul, probably somewhere in about uh, 85, 95 A.D. Uh, to his spiritual son Timothy. So again, uh, it is to, to teach us how he wants us to exalt him, to worship and to glorify him. And so that's our overall purpose, whether it's a mom and a dad, whether it's a parishioners, a Sunday school teacher, or a pastor, or otherwise here. It's, it is to teach us how he wants us to exalt him, to worship and to glorify him. And secondly, to mold us and to shape us according to his will and his purpose for our lives. Ultimately, to conform us to his son. And so anybody who stands in this pulpit, whether it's a, whether it's a guest preacher, such as uh, Brother Rabidou coming up and Brother uh, Dan Souza, you need to be praying. So, Lord, we need to hear from, from you. Uh, you. You need to begin praying Monday morning. Say, Lord, uh, Wednesday's coming and Sunday's coming and we're going uh, we're to we're be in church and we're going to hear some messages preached on those days there, Lord. Uh, guide, the, 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 guide the Sunday school teacher, guide the pastor or whoever's going to be in the pulpit that day. Uh, send them on fire, Lord. But also, Lord, give us a fire. Give us a hunger. Give us a thirst. And that only you can satisfy. And you know, if you don't pray for your preacher that way, you're not going to get much one way or the other. And so a pastor or a preacher's, teacher's, uh, heralds, if you will, uh, we need to be excited in our, in our teaching, our preaching, and our witnessing. Amen? Revel in the word. Let us preach. Let us teach. Let us share his word from our heart that has and is being moved by the very word of God that we are preaching. We're handling the words that make, can make the difference between heaven and hell and the life of an individual. And I say this because there are a lot of discouraged pastors and a lot of discouraged church members and missionaries and evangelists as they look around and realize it's getting harder today than in years past. Not impossible, but more energy. Uh, it, it takes more energy. It takes more time to win souls to Christ. Someone had once said that you used to be able to just maybe get one out of a hundred. Then it was one out of a thousand. He said, you're lucky if you get one out of a thousand anymore today in this particular day and age. 
So we have been called to live the word, live the word of God, love the word of God, and never ever compromise it or endeavor to make it socially acceptable. Preach, teach, and share the word. It was valuable encouragement and direction when Paul gave it to Timothy, and it is every bit as valuable today for the congregations. So let us be busy. Let us be excited. Let us imagine the responses of others when we are so excited to share the word of God that it looks like we're about ready to jump out of our skin. Now, it might scare the other person half to death, but through your enthusiasm, they see that you've got something that they don't have, even in maybe their own churches. And so we need to be excited. We need to be enthusiastic about the Word of God. And we need to pray that our speakers in this pulpit or the teachers who teach before us, that they're excited and that they're enthused about what they're doing, whether they're preaching to one or a thousand of one. makes no difference. Everybody deserves to hear the Word of God and to do it with excitement and with enthusiasm. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for this time we can be together tonight. And, Lord, just a, an encouragement along the way that, Lord, uh, uh, the, the folks in the pews, Lord, they share the same responsibility as does the pastor as far as getting the gospel out. And, Lord, we need to be enthusiastic. We need to be excited. Lord, we just need to be able to get out there and, and share the word of God in a way that, man, it just causes other people to kind of sit up and take notice in a very good and a very positive way. Because religion is, is such a mundane topic. It is something that most people, they stick it off in a corner somewhere, a corner in their lives. But Lord, when they say a true born-again Bible-believing Christian who is super excited, super enthusiastic, Lord, it boggles their mind that anybody could be that excited about spiritual things. But Lord, are we not preparing ourselves for eternity? We certainly are. And Lord, may we begin now by letting other people know how great it is to be a Christian, how wonderful and how marvelous it is. And that, Lord, we might be able to bring others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by sharing the word of God with them. And Father, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.